Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gaimi Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Matt Willis, Associate Pastor here at GBC, and I trust you hear the invitation of God in this week's message. We are two weeks into our summer series, Jesus and the Sydney Morning Herald, where we reflect on contemporary issues from the perspective of faith. In this message, Associate Pastor Roxanne Lawler considers the theology of creation care. Well, we, as Medwin said earlier, are working our way through a series called Jesus and the Sydney Morning Herald. It's a great series. It's a bit of a favourite for everybody because what it does, it looks at uh, contemporary issues that face our world that you might flick through the pages of a a newspaper or uh, scroll through a newspaper online. And it kind of takes them and and thinks about them with a Christian lens or a Christian perspective. So that's what we're going to do today about climate change. Uh, Just a couple of... uh, I guess, uh, frameworks around that. I'm actually not going to be speaking at all about the science of climate change, uh, mainly because I'm actually not a climate change scientist um, or a scientist at all, actually. (laughs) So I'm going to be looking at it uh, from a bit of a distance and we're going to be looking at it from a Christian perspective. And so that's kind of where we're going to be camping out, if that uh, makes sense. So if you were expecting a scientific presentation, sorry, you're going to get a biblical one because this is church, right? Amen. Okay, so... In the Christmas period, there has been the the top movie on Netflix has been a show called Don't Look Up. I don't know if you've seen it or or heard of it at all. I did watch it uh, over the the Christmas period. but It's like the number one of all Netflix at the moment. And Don't Look Up is the story of a PhD scientist who discovers a uh, comet, a meteorite, uh, coming through space and it's on a collision course with planet Earth. And they do all the sums and figure out that this comet is going to hit Earth in six months' time. And they have this six-month window of opportunity to uh, do something about it, send up a rocket, send up a nuke, whatever it is. Uh, but they've only got six months to do it. And the scientific community is in agreement with it, uh, but every time they go and try and raise awareness of it and get people uh, fired up and get people ready, the message just falls on deaf ears over and over again and and people are so concerned about the latest celebrity breakup or or whether the midterms of the US president is going to go ahead and and how they can uh, message, uh, massage the message to get it out to make it more palatable for people and the scientists are tearing their hair out Uh, and uh, in the end I was kind of going for the comet to be honest with uh, human nature but uh, it's a comedy, it doesn't sound like a comedy I guess but it's a dark, dark comedy And the reason that they made this movie was as a metaphor for climate change. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, has produced it and he stars in it. And he thinks that that's kind of what we're doing with climate change, that the scientific community are are generally in agreement, like over and abundantly in agreement, that climate change is is real, it's a reality, it's happening. Um, But we're amusing ourselves to death and we're not really paying attention to the reality of climate change. And we've got a short window of opportunity to do something about it. So it's a a movie burst in, in frustration. Um, so climate change is, is, is on everybody's lips and, and thought at the moment. We're, we're thinking about it. We're thinking, well, what do we do? And there's probably a couple of things that I guess are hindrances to us in the Christian church when we think about something like climate change. Uh, and they are the, the, way we, the way we think and, and what do we do. And um, the Christian church is always, and, and the church in general, has always um, done something called orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Orthodoxy, uh, you would have heard the word orthodox before, basically it means right thinking, correct thinking. 
And, and when you think correctly, when you have your orthodoxy, your, your right thinking, it leads to orthopraxy, which is right practice or, or right action. And I think for us as Christians, we need to get uh, our orthodoxy, our, our thinking right on, on creation and, and climate and creation care in order for us to have orthopraxy, right practice. And the problem for us, uh, particularly in the Western church, is our gospel is quite blinkered. What I mean by that is for a lot of us, when, when we think about the gospel of Jesus or we think about what the gospel is, we can't mentally start at Genesis chapter 3 with sin and the entrance of sin in the world and we kind of end with Jesus' death and resurrection. And that, that is true and that's the gospel and that is good news that, that we are sinners and that, that Jesus came and died to save us from our sin. That's, that's very true. But it's not the full gospel. God is a big God and, and God is expansive and our gospel, our good news, our Bible story is more expansive with that than that. Because scripture, the gospel starts with creation and ends in new creation. That's, that's where the Bible takes us on a journey from creation to new creation. So what I wanna to do to help us do right thinking is kind of to zoom out a little bit, uh, to zoom out at, at the big story um, and to understand that the whole, I'm not gonna preach on the whole Bible, but to understand the big Bible story uh, because that will help us with our right practice, our, our orthopraxy. Um, can you imagine if you went to a, a movie and you didn't see the beginning of the movie and you didn't see the end of the movie, all you're just seeing is the part in the middle? It's hard to understand what's going on. You kind of walk into the movie and you're like, here's the guy with the gun and why is that chick there? Um, so you need to know what is happening at the beginning and the end. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little look at the beginning. We're going to have a look in the middle with Jesus and then we're going to look at the end um, in our orthodoxy, our right thinking. So let's go to, to Genesis uh, chapter 1. Uh, and in Genesis chapter 1, we find that, that God created the heavens and the earth. And he creates uh, humans, he creates mankind. And um, when God in Genesis chapter 2 creates um, Adam, the word is Adama, which basically means ground or dirt or dust. It's, it's the stuff of the world. So God, this created God in the very beginning of the scriptures, creates this incredible, beautiful, ordered world and people are part of that creation and they are literally a dharma, the, the dirt person, the, the earthling, so to speak. That's kind of what they are and they are part of God's creation. And God says, here it is, I am making you uh, this, this people and you are made in the image of God and the term for that we use is imago day. We're meant to, or imago day, we're meant to reflect, be the image of God. So we're part of this creation, but we're also imaging, reflecting this creator God in everything we do, like, like a, almost a mirror. Um, of God, and we're supposed to be His people on this planet. And He gives mankind, He gives the, the earthlings tasks. And um, one of the tasks in Genesis chapter 1, um, in verse uh, 28, is to fill the earth and subdue it, to rule over it, over everything. Um, and one of, the, one of the ways we can sometimes get this a little bit wrong is we think those are real power words and we think the words, yes, fill the earth and we're going to subdue it and we're going to rule over it. And they sound like power words. Um, but if we're meant to be the image of God, it means we need to 
rule in the image of God and we need to subdue in the way that God does and we need to fill it in the way that God does. Um, So subdue there is actually an agricultural word. It's like you've got a field uh, that is ready for planting and you need to get in there and you're going to make it organised and planting and it's going to flourish and grow. So subdue is actually a word about benefiting creation. It's not just about uh, whacking it over the stick with a stick. It's actually an encouraging, flourishing agricultural word. And the word rule there, we're meant to rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature. That rule word is a kingly word. It's a a word from the royal court that kings would rule. Well, what sort of ruler is, is God who is the king? Well, that psalm that we just saw in the video, Psalm 145 starts, it says, my God, the king. And it gives us a picture of how God is the king and how he rules and how he has compassion on all he has made and how he provides and he gives to those who need it. Um, He is a God of justice. He is a God of grace. He is a God of giving. He is a God who cares. And that is the image there in Genesis chapter one. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to image God and be ruling like God not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of the world. Then uh, in Genesis chapter two, God takes the Adama, the the people, the the person, um, and puts them in the garden. And he says, here it is, you need to, uh, in in Genesis 2, 15, he says, you're gonna work it and take care of it. Those two words, work and take care, are Abad and Samar. And they are words in Hebrew which look at working hard. We're supposed to be working diligently. And the word samar is is to almost bodyguard something, to really, really not just take care of it, but protect it and provide for it and shape it. A good translation of that might be, we're meant to be in the world to serve and preserve to serve and preserve. That's that's our working and taking care of it. And last week, Mark spoke about the goodness of work and how it's actually a created thing and we get enjoyment out of work. Uh, We're designed to be people who have tasks, who have mission, who have jobs. And in our relationship with the earth, we're meant to be imaging God, to take care of creation, to serve it and preserve it. That's part of the story of what we're meant to be. But of course, Genesis chapter three, changes that and the relationship with God is fractured as sin enters the world and people disobey. And the curse is upon the earth. And and often in the West in particular, um, we focus a lot and rightly so on the relationship between us and God. And we say that Jesus came to heal that and to, to make us friends with God and that's true. And he did and praise be to God for that. But that's not the only relationship that is broken in Genesis chapter three. You can imagine a triangle Uh, of relationships. The relationship between humanity and God is broken when sin enters the world, but but also the relationship between the earth and humanity and the earth and God. It's a triangle of relationships and sin fractures and breaks all of it. All of it is broken and the curse is on the earth and humanity are cast out and then God through His grace goes through the scripture and promises to send a saviour who is going to reverse the curse and who is going to heal, not just the relationship between humanity and God, and that's very important, but also the relationship of all of it, all of creation is, is what Jesus comes 
to do and comes to save. That is a good, good promise. And we see this in the middle of the scriptural story, in the middle of this picture when Jesus comes. I'm going to read to you from Colossians chapter 1. Uh, which is a great scripture. I call this the all things passage. I don't even know if it's got an official term, but this is what I call it because it just talks about all things a lot. So I'm going to read it and it'll come up and then I just want to speak to this a little bit. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Did you notice the all things? There's a lot of all things in that. It's amazing. And in this scripture, Paul writes to the church in the Colossian church and he reminds them that that Jesus, the gospel, is about reconciling all things and he links so closely Jesus Christ to creation. And he says that, that all things were created in Christ. They were created through Christ and they were created for Christ that Christ was there before the beginning of the world. And and in Christ, all things hold together and he is before all things. The link between Jesus and creation is so strong in this scripture. And he says that God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, um, through him to reconcile to himself all things. We were made to be Imago Dei in the image of God. And we're meant to be God's representative on earth, but we're not a shadow to what Jesus is. Jesus had the fullness of God dwelling in him. And Jesus' mission was to reconcile to himself all things. And if you're not clear on that, Paul sums it up and he, and he spells it out a couple of, uh, a couple of times. It, whether things that are on earth or things that are in heaven, all things are going to be reconciled through Christ because of the work that he made on the cross. So when Jesus came to be the saviour, he didn't just come to to heal that side of the triangle, which is our relationship with God. He actually came to reconcile all things to God. So our relationship with the earth and the earth's relationship with God and God's relationship with us, all of those things are made whole now and reconciled in Jesus. Incredible. So for us as Christians, when we look at the, created, uh, the creation story and we look at the work that Jesus has done, we can see that actually we have, we have a responsibility. We have a task. We have a work to do that not only were we created to be the people who serve and preserve and, and to rule in, in a kingly godlike way over the planet, but as Christians, as people who have the ministry of reconciliation, who have been reconciled to God through Jesus, 
we're going to partner with him and continue that ministry of reconciliation. And it doesn't just look like healing people's broken relationships with God. It's expansive. It's involving all things, all of creation, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And that includes the created order. That includes earth. All things are reconciled through what Jesus has done. Well, churches, as we know that that God sent Jesus, he promised to send Jesus and he did send Jesus. And Jesus has, uh, the kingdom has been inaugurated. Jesus is uh, alive, he has died, he has come back to life, he is now with the Father and he has promised to return, which is the end of the story. And we wait in joyful expectation, looking to the time that Jesus is going to return. Because even though we're living under the Lordship of Christ and we have had our relationship with Christ reconciled, we look at the world and we know that it is not as it should be. It is uh, currently a sinful and broken, broken place, but we live in the hope that Jesus is going to come and he is going to restore all things to himself. We live in the now but not yet kingdom. And as we wait for him to come, we partner with him in that renewal and restoration, but we know that it's not going to happen fully until Jesus returns. And Paul reminds us of this when he says that all creation is groaning and groaning like a woman in childbirth, waiting for the Lord to return. So we're in this now but not yet moment. We know that creation is, is going to be uh, made whole and clean and, um, and restored but we're living in the now, but not yet. Wow. So, creation. We're meant to be servant preservers. God sent Jesus. We have the ministry of reconciliation alongside Jesus and and our relationship with Jesus has been healed and we're starting to see the fruit of that. We're starting to uh, help him in his ministry um, by seeing all things reconciled to himself. But we are waiting for the time that Jesus returns, which is the end of the story. Now, no one knows when Jesus is going to return. We don't know. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. But ultimately, as a church, we, we have faith and we know that Jesus will return one day and that's when we're going to see all things made new. And the reason we know this is because in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, Jesus says, he says, I am making all things new. I am making everything new. And this can be something that we can get tripped up on a little bit because we think, oh, well, Jesus is going to make everything new. It doesn't really matter what we're doing with the earth. But In Greek, they don't have just one word for new like we do in English. They actually have two words for new and it's a very particular word that Jesus uses when he says, I am making all things new. So the Greek word is neos and kainos. So neos is is brand new and kainos is kind of restored. So if I um, was driving my car and I had an accident uh, and the car was completely written off, um, completely written off, they would say, you know what, take it to the insurance company and they're going to give me a neos car. It's going to be a brand new car, a replacement car. That's the word neos. But if I have a little bingle in my car and the insurance company take it away uh, and they fix it and they put a new fender and a new bumper on it and, uh, you know, they might polish it up and they might do some other really amazing things to it and I'm going to get it back and it's going to look like a brand new car, that's a Kynos car. It's been restored, but it's better than it was before. It's similar to that. And Jesus uses this new, this Kynos word a couple of other times in Scripture. 
Um, there's a time in Scripture where Jesus talks about people, Jewish, Jewish guys who were teachers of the law. And he says, if you follow my words and you understand who I am as the Saviour and you're a teacher of the law, you're going to be like someone who goes into the, the treasure of Scripture and brings out things old and kinos, old and new. And so if you're a Jewish person and you've read the Scripture and all of a sudden you understand Jesus is the one, He's the Saviour, He's been the one we've been waiting for all this time, and you're looking at Scripture, all of a sudden you see it differently and it's transformed in front of you. It's kinos, it's new, uh, it's, it, it's not thrown out, it's better than it was before because it is just as it should be and you see that it was leading up to Jesus. Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 when he says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a kinos creation. They are a new creation. And we know that when we become Christians, uh, Jesus doesn't throw us out. He doesn't, he doesn't replace us. He takes us and transforms us and he takes our sin away and, and destroys that. And he takes our guilt and our shame, uh, but he makes us a new creation, a kinos creation. And we are now filled with the Holy Spirit. We have an eternal destiny. We have a relationship with God the Father. We are healed and whole. That is kinos, better than we could ever have been before. And this is what Jesus is saying in Revelation. I'm going to make everything new. It's going to be transformed. It's going to be better than it was. I'm going to uh, repair and restore. And you're not even going to be able to fathom it. Uh, it's going to be shalom, uh, which is peace, like as God intended. And that's a difficult thing to get our head around, the difference between Neos and Kainos, the new and new. Uh, but that's the word that, that is used in Revelation. So, where does that leave us? Well, that might be a difficult thing for you to understand and, and it does take a while to wrap our head around what, what's going to happen at the end of the world and we don't actually know. We just know that Jesus is coming and he's going to take care of it. Um, hallelujah, amen. Uh, but for us, as we're thinking and trying to get our orthodoxy, our right thinking, we know that God has given us a task at the very beginning and he has never repealed that mandate. He has never said to us, it's okay, you can stop caring for the world. Never, never said that. That has been our creative purpose, to be in a relationship with God in this beautiful world that he has enjoyed. And not only is it our creative purpose, it's our redemptive purpose. It's Jesus came to restore and renew all things and we're part of that mission with him and that he in the end is going to come back and we're gonna see that fully and completely. What a gospel that is, what a great message it is to know that the gospel is not just my relationship with God, but it's my relationship with this earth and my relationship with others. This is all encompassing, incredible, incredible gospel. So if that's our orthodoxy, which is the orthodox Christian position, that's our right thinking, well, what does that mean for our orthopraxy, our, our right practice? How do we take that understanding that we're actually partnering with God in the renewal and restoration of all things? And how do we put that into practice? And, and you know, why should we do that? Well, I guess that's the reason why, because we're created to and Jesus is into it. Um, so we might be thinking, well, I haven't really heard this before. You know, I haven't heard that we should be worried about creation care, which is what this is. Um, but it's not actually a Johnny-come-lately thing. It's not something that we've suddenly become woke and, uh, and got excited about as a church, um, as we look at the world. Francis Schaeffer in the 1970s has been writing about this. He's a very um, evangelical, respected evangelical writer, writing about pollution. 
And the Lausanne movement, which was started by Billy Graham and John Stott, which is a, a worldwide organisation that helps um, evangelism organisations reach the world with the good news of Jesus, they have for many, many years been seeking and, and have put creation care into that type of conference. Organisations that, that send missionaries out to the majority in developing world nations are very concerned about creation care because they see the effects of climate change. And those who they're trying to reach with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, they're the people whose land is being ravished out by climate change. And so mission organisations are on the front line of this. They're on the front line saying that we can't come just with the good news that Jesus uh, restores our relationship with God unless we deal with the reality that their village is being flooded away or, or cyclones are, are coming in more rapidly. We need to give them the whole good news, the whole big picture that, that God is the God of creation and new creation. So mission organisations are already on that front foot. But what about for us? Like, we can't stop climate change. I'm not an oil magnate. I don't uh, have any political power, and I don't know if you do either. But I can do some small things, some orthopraxy, uh, correct actions that will help with creation care. This is going to look different for everybody. It really will. For some people, they'll hear this and they'll understand that actually I have a responsibility towards climate care and um, they might even just be at the beginning of the journey and that's okay. They might be thinking, you know what, might think about starting to recycle and that's their first step and that's a great first step. For some of us, we might be on the other end of the spectrum. We've been thinking about putting solar power on our, our house and we might be thinking, actually, this is a great way that I can um, be a disciple of Jesus and, and I can be involved in creation care and I'm going to go ahead and put that solar on. Not that I'm saying that you have to, uh, but that could be you or the vehicle you buy. Um, it might be an electronic vehicle that you're thinking of. Um, it could be a number of things and it's going to look different to all of us. But there's probably two areas that are helpful for most of us to do, mostly. Firstly, it's the simple things and it's the small things. You can imagine a, um, a tap in the middle of your street, uh, just running. The tap is just running. You know, it's on full ball and the water's pouring out and uh, people are coming and... Um, grabbing water, you know, buckets and things and collecting the water to put on their garden or use for their shower or whatever they're using the water for. Um, you can imagine other people trying to turn off the tap so that it's not wasteful. And this, is our, this needs to be a kind of our mindset as we think about creation care. So recycling and reusing is kind of like grabbing the water once it's out. It's already there. We might as well use it and, and be good stewards of that water is where recycling and, and things come in. The other thing is, is conscious consuming. How do we turn off the tap? How do we stop that waste that is happening? And how do I, as a disciple, as a, as a believer of Jesus, how do I think about the way that I waste things? So this is kind of what I would love you to pray through, if possible, in your discipleship walk with Jesus, to ask Jesus and to ask God, God, you've tasked me with this. I am a person who is made in your image. I'm meant to serve and preserve this earth, to, to benevolently use it for the flourishing of all. 
Help me in my recycling or, or in what I do. Help me, help me to utilise what I have well for your kingdom that brings you glory and brings you honour, uh, that protects your beautiful world. And then also in your consumption, maybe think about how you're consuming, how you can sort of turn that tap down a bit. Uh, and think, okay, well, how am I going to make a decision about what to purchase? You know, I'm going to purchase one good thing that's going to last me for 10 years or 20 good things that'll last me for six months. Uh, And to think about that. I don't want to tell people what to do, but I do want to invite you to think about creation care as a discipleship issue. Not only is it our created purpose, but it's also our redemptive purpose. And we look forward to when Jesus is coming at the end to make all things new. And in that, think about how is it that I can use what I have and and the things that God has given me to care for creation and to to be all that God has made me to be. Now, I don't want to um, give anybody guilt on that as well uh, and to think, you know, I have to, is another thing I have to do. I'd love it if we could think, this is a thing that I, I get to do. I get to be somebody who loves the the world that God has made, there's only one of them. The earth is the Lord's, says the Psalms, and the fullness therein. And the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And I would love it if our thinking could be just a thankfulness, an appreciation of God's beautiful world, and our practice could be taking care of that world. And to do that in a way that is not guilt-ridden or shame-ridden, but is, is joyful and is an expression of our worship to that great God, that great Jesus who has reconciled all things to himself, including us. Yeah? So in a minute, I'm going to ask Medwin to to come up and and end our service, but I would really love it if I could pray for you, um, pray for our church um, as we think through this. Um, And I'm going to pray maybe for a little bit of uh, forgiveness for times when we haven't uh, thought correctly about this and we haven't acted On this, if that's you, then feel free to um, pray along with me. But also I'm going to pray for inspiration for us, uh, that we would be good stewards of all that God has given us. So church, will you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you so much that you are the creator of all. That in the beginning you created the heavens and the earth and you placed people on this earth and you gave them this task You gave them this mandate of of serving and preserving and and ruling like you do in this benevolent, loving, compassionate way. And God, we we know there are times when we haven't done that, where we we haven't treated your world as the treasure and the the blessing that it is, that we have been like children with a toy and we we have been disrespectful of of your world. And and so, Lord, we, we come to you and we say we are sorry for those times. And we ask for your forgiveness and your grace that you will cover over that. And thank you for Jesus. Thank you uh, that Jesus is reconciling all things to you, God. And that includes us. Hallelujah, that includes us, Lord God. Thank you. And thank you that all things includes all things. That you are reconciling not just the relationships between you and us and us and others, but also the world. Thank you, Jesus your ministry of reconciliation, which was achieved through your death and resurrection. And Lord God, we anxiously look to your return. We thank you that while we wait, we get to be your hands and feet on this earth. We get to be living out our created purpose, which is a loving relationship with you. And we get to be your hands and feet on this earth. And that creation care is a part of that. 
And God, I pray that you will help us to see how our creation care might be an act of worship and devotion and discipleship. That that as we take out the recycling bins, Lord God, we might sing a song of praise. That as as we stand in a a forest or in our backyard or in our balconies, we might look at the world you have made and, and, and be so thankful and grateful and worship you for your goodness. And I pray, Lord God, um, that we will share that with others. Not just our ability to be friends with you and that relationship, but the fact that, Lord God, you are making all things new. You're going to make all things new at the end. And Lord, we, we worship and thank you and we look to that time. We don't understand it, God, but we look for it and we thank you that that is certain, that you will return. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen. As the old hymn goes, this is our Father's world, and that implies a responsibility to care for it. Beyond that, however, the care of creation is also an invitation to participate in the renewal and restoration of all things. When we reduce, reuse, and recycle, we are joining in with God's plans. And of course, this is just the beginning. Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. If you'd like to join us, For one of our Sunday services, you can do so by logging on to gbconline.org.au at 9.30 Australian Eastern Standard Times each Sunday. God bless.